0: I got a girl with a mind on love, the kind of love that is dangerous, it knocks me down but I can back up, and I'm addicted. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have my good friend Tyler on as we talk about soccer, about the English Premier League, all the craziness that's happened over the past couple days Um, In terms of games, Man City having a shock loss to Newcastle, Liverpool tying against Leicester City, Manchester United having a crazy, crazy tie um, during their game as well. So there's a lot of craziness going on. And also Chelsea losing 4-0 to Bournemouth. I mean, I don't think many people saw that coming. So me and Tyler break it down, uh, talk about soccer, and then we kind of talk about transfers uh, that are going on uh, last-minute transfer deals. So we recorded this on a Wednesday, January 30th. Um, I'm putting this up January 31st, and it looks like the um, transfer window was a bit of a dud, not much happening. Christian Pulisic at the beginning of the transfer window, going to Chelsea, and then getting loaned back to Bor- Borussia Dortmund uh, for the rest of the rest of the year. But other than that, not many... Too- not many big deals. I would say there are more fringe deals going on. Yuri um, Telemines from um, uh, Monaco getting loaned over to Leicester City. So that'll be an interesting move. Very young, young midfielder, Belgian milf- midfielder, 21 years old. Um, I think that could be a interesting move. Peter Crouch is back in the uh, Premier League for Burnley, so hopefully he can help them stay up in the Premiership, and it it will be interesting to see what other other th- moves that we talked about. I mean, we talked about Dennis Suarez. Hopefully, he can kind of make an impact for Arsenal. And then also we talked about Maroon Fellaini possibly moving as well. So there's a bunch of these moves out of Murata who's moving away from Chelsea to, um, to uh, back to Atletico Madrid, I believe. So he is moving back there on a loan move. So there's a bunch of, Transfer moves, but I think there weren't that many. It was a relatively quiet last day of the transfer window, unless something big happens in the next hour or so, and then me and Hedgen will recap it next week. But other than that, not much big transfer news. And we got a. I'm I'm posting this at 4:25, and news just came out that Kristaps Porzingis got traded to the Dallas Mavericks for Dennis Smith Jr. um, and um, a couple of other pieces but that was a really really shocking move especially with how quickly um, the Knicks ended up moving for a trade after all all the commotion that Kristaps Porzingis kind of had with the meeting and Steve Mills so I'm curious so me and Andrew will actually actually be posting a podcast tomorrow Friday we'll be talking about that we'll talk about all-star game and we'll do a mock all-star draft one of us will be LeBron James one of us will be Giannis, and we'll be drafting teams so we'll be talking about that talk about Anthony Davis as well so be on the lookout for that and thanks for listening guys as always if you guys haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and like the podcast as well so let's give my friend Tyler a call
1: Hey, this is Tyler.
2: Hey Tyler, what's up? Thanks for coming back on to the podcast. Um I thought you were dead for a second, but thank <laughs> you for coming back on. Um I had not heard from you after, for like a full week. I was thinking about actually calling the cops or calling your girlfriend just to see if you're <laughs> okay. But I'm still kicking. To- Exactly. Thankfully, I was able to get a hold of you and um, do this podcast today. So uh, thanks for coming back on, Tyler. And man, there's like a ton of soccer news going on right now throughout the whole world. It's just like this crazy busy period with all these fixtures in in, in the Premier League. You know, we have like all these cup games with the FA Cup this past weekend. Um, I mean, not for Liverpool, but (laughs) like there and then we have like Champions League games coming up in February and then all the transfer stuff is closing out um, tomorrow. So we're recording this on a Wednesday night at 1054 p.m. Eastern Time. So by the time it goes up it'll be the last day of the transfer window. So there's just so much soccer news going on. But where I thought we should start today was we haven't gotten the Tyler Manu update from like from you and what how how you're feeling about Manchester United and the job that Skullscar is doing um at Manu right now. So give me your thoughts on that. And just, like, over the past couple of weeks, like, what your thoughts um, are on the team generally.
1: For sure. Uh, thank you for having me back. I know I went a little radio silent there for a while, but like I said, I'm still kicking. Um, happy, happy New Year and happy Manchester United. <laughs> we are back. We feel like uh, we finally got our team back um, after years of, of, you know, suffering through different kinds of tactics and results under Jose and, um, you know, the managers before him. But um, to sum it up, I am so happy with what schroeder has been doing so far. Even down to, like, his post-game uh, interviews, I'm just sitting there smiling as I'm watching watching that because he's saying all the right things. You can tell he's just excited to be back at United, Um you know, spark that, that old United feeling back in the fans and the players. And you can really see the difference. I mean, eight wins in a row. Yes, there were not a lot of stiff competition throughout all those games, but that did include Spurs and Arsenal. And then, you know, nine unbeaten when you throw in this uh, tough match against um, old school defensive style Burnley. So I, I really couldn't be, couldn't be happier with the way that, the lineups are coming out with the way the players look on the field. They look like they're enjoying themselves. Um, the way the manager is setting us up for success, it's just, as of now, I'm just, like, saying, like, let's just let the good times roll. It's its back to glimpses of the good old days. And,
2: and it's such a change in tune from what, like, when we last talked, especially with, I yeah. think the last, last time we talked, they were trying to decide who we're going to, who you guys were going to choose next as the next manager and all that type of stuff. And you guys were in the, in the midst of a huge slump under Mourinho. And exactly like, at least from what I see from an outside perspective, that's not a Man U fan. It seems like there's just a lot more positivity around the whole team itself. And then and and that permeates itself through some of the the con- the um, press conferences and the after game interviews from what Skullscar is actually doing, and just kind of building up his team, and just having a very positive mood um, and outlook with the team.
1: Yeah, and I think you can see even on an individual level the players are performing much better. Um, a couple highlights. I would throw out there, uh, Andrew Herrera. He did not play. He did not start. I don't think he um, was subbed on in burn the Burnley game, but he has been playing out of his mind. Uh, these past couple of games for Solskjaer, he's been like hustling all over the pitch, breaking up, um, the opposition attacks, starting attacks for United. He's been, he looks transformed under, under Solskjaer. Um, I was actually surprised that he wasn't, in the, in the starting lineup against Burnley. Um, And then obviously um, Pogba and Rashford have just been firing on all cylinders um, under the new manager. Pogba went from like night to day. Like he looks more like that world cup winning midfielder that can really just dominate a game. And then Rashford um, apparently, you know, met with Solskjaer to talk to him about having some more composure in front of goal and just, Really bossing it out there, and it's it's really showed I think he scored in four or five games straight um and he really took over Lukaku's role as the as the main striker um that deviated a little bit in in the last game, but it's just been great to see him um stepping up in more of a central role for the team,
0: yeah, and I
2: think that change, especially up top, taking but we'll we'll get into the uh, the tie that they had against Burnley a little bit later but what they were consistently doing before that Burnley game in terms of putting Rashford up top in the middle of the in that in the forward center forward position taking Lukaku off and playing Rashford more centrally instead of out wide it seems like he just feels a lot more comfortable
1: there and knows what to do yeah. Yeah. I think you can just tell the difference between, you know, him playing and maybe his preferred role as opposed to just, you know, fitting into a, an opening in the lineup.
2: Mm-hmm. That, I, and I just kind of see it like all throughout the field where the manager's really putting each individual player into the best positions that they can so that they can succeed. I think that's where he's done a really good job of simplifying the job and the role of each individual player and then also just kind of making it super digestible for the player to understand what their role is, whereas I think Mourinho, from game to game, you just didn't know what the lineup would be or what the formation would be. And I think, honestly, these players would get somewhat confused on what they should be doing. And it just didn't come super naturally to each,
1: each player. Yeah. I mean, I bet they were all, you know, getting frustrated, as you could see in the performances, you know, they were being asked to do things that weren't playing to their strengths. And like you said, I'm sure some confusion played in, into that and also different mind games that he would be playing with his own players. And A lot of stuff that just was, you know, leading to those negative outcomes. Right. And right
2: now they're only sitting, I believe, two points out of uh, that fourth uh, Champions League spot. So they're sitting at 45 points. Arsenal and Chelsea are tied at 47 points each. So they're only two points out of it. And about a month ago, probably about like a month and a half ago, it was looking like Man U was not going to have Champions League football at all next year, especially with the results that they were having. And then now it's just a completely different team. And it looks like, uh, like if I was choosing between Arsenal, Chelsea and Man U at this point, I would put Man U, um, in that driver's seat to get that fourth
1: spot. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't think I would be saying it. Um, a few months ago because I think before the, before the season started, I, you know, included United in my top four. And then when we revisited my predictions a couple of months into the season, I think I totally removed them after, after watching the first couple of months of games, but now I got to put them right back up because I think we've uh, decreased the gap from something like 12 or 11 points down to two, like you said, just in a matter of, um since Jose was out so you know we still got a pretty big chunk of the season left um about 14 games so anything's possible and we still face Arsenal and Chelsea before the end of the year so um i think i think we could definitely get that fourth spot
0: right and then
2: i this is one of the questions i wanted to pose to you before we dive deep into the burnley game um just in terms of what you think of skullcar and then how he kind of factors into the full time managing position, do you feel like he's kind of secured his the the head coaching role head manager role, or do you feel like Manu's going to still try to bring in another manager to manage this team for next year
1: i th- I think that's probably one of the most difficult things to try to predict at this stage um, because it has been an amazing run, but a lot of people would still be quick to say that he doesn't have... Solskjaer does not have the experience to take on this role as a, on a permanent basis. However, um, I don't see what the harm would be if things keep going this way through the end of the season. I don't see... Why not give him a chance to, to you know, go on maybe a two-year, a two-year two deal or something? I'm not saying you know, give him a, a five-seven-year contract right now, but you know, if, if things keep going this well, um, why, why mess it up and try to overthink it and and you know, get somebody with a pedigree or more trophies or experience at this level when? You know, if we, we've got the players, we've got the the manager who's getting the best out of the players. I'd say give him a chance.
2: Yeah, I think if he's able to really secure top four spot, especially with where they are, where they yeah. were with Mourinho, yeah. I think he definitely deserves a, deserves the chance to be the full time manager. That being said, I think if they're able to lock down Zidane or like a top top guy that yeah. they know that they want to bring in, then I think it becomes a little bit more dicey for him in terms of whether or not he keeps his position. Like, let's say if he he's able to get Zidane, uh, or Manu's able to get Zidane or, I don't know, even Pochettino. I think right. those are the two guys that I would be wary of if I were him, if I were in his position. But well, yeah. other than that, like the Eddie House or like the other types of
1: I guess like Southgate, Southgate younger, right. kind of untested like, guys.
2: Right. Then you kinda have to just go with the known quantity of basically half the season of having SoulScar as your manager and kind of ride ride it out with him if they're not able to get Zidane or uh Pochettino.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's going to be that's going to be really interesting to watch as the season wraps up, because um, I mean obviously we're still in the Champions League, although we've got a tough draw on PSG. News came out that you know, Neymar is probably going to miss those games, so it's a little bit of a of a you know shining light for <laughs> United's chances. But um, yeah, there's still a lot a lot to happen, and it would it would be a big call to you know, to take Solskjaer out of this position if we continue to finish the season this strong.
2: That's that's exactly what I was thinking. And that – I think we're pretty much in agreement there. Like, if he's able to propel this team into top-four finish and really finish out super strong um, for the la- next third of the season or so, then – I think he'll be able to keep his job. So Tyler, getting into that Burnley game, um, that was the the first non-win that was on that's in Solskar's uh, tenure. So it, it was kind of curious some of the decisions that he made lineup-wise, especially with all the success he had. Maybe he wanted to kind of rotate some guys in things like that with uh, a bunch of games coming up lately. And Burnley not being that, I guess that high level of competition at all, but yeah. it was I I thought it was really curious that he had Lukaku playing up there and starting, um and then also he ended up having Andres Pereira who ended up costing them that that goal, and they fell behind to zip in this game, and my thinking automatically went to oh, man, this is how they played against Mourinho. And and then they were able to make that furious comeback. But what were your thoughts kind of like watching that game?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I also was wondering about the lineup. Um, I did hear that apparently he was sort of forced into a last-minute change as um, Martial was kind of an unexpected... Um, injury and maybe the day before or the day of even, I'm not exactly sure. Um, so that caused um, some last minute shuffling. So I think that's the reason why the the front lineup of Rashford and Lukaku and Mata got set up the way it was. Um, so that makes you wonder if that was something that he was, planning on or something maybe he hadn't tried before but was sort of forced into that move. Mm. We you know, we won't really know for sure. Um and I think you definitely um have a point in that maybe he was just, you know, doing some um rotation against not as strong of an opponent as we will be facing over the next few weeks, um, you know, in Burnley typically. Um but Burnley have been they've been making a a bit of a turn since um you know since like i think it was boxing day or something they had a really bad loss to everton but they've been putting some decent results together since then um but yeah I, i do think some of that was just rotation to rest some of our some of our other players so Pereira, i really like him as a player um he hasn't seen very many minutes this year at all but i gotta be honest he has pretty terrible game and not just the not good
2: um, not just
1: not just the mistake that led to that goal but he was just um misplacing his passes losing possession a lot and wasn't wasn't moving around and making runs making himself available to help out the attack the way that i you know mentioned that herrera had been doing the past couple games and that i think was a little bit unnoticed, but a huge uh, help to the to the way that we've been playing recently with Herrera, you know, just being super busy and shutting things down and making things happen. I just didn't see that same energy at all from Herrera. Um, so that was too bad to sort of see him maybe get like a bit of an audition to get some more time and then not go so well. Um, and And that being said, there were a couple of other players that were just kind of flat. Um, maybe you know, fixture congestion, they're getting a little tired, um, but definitely not not an on day from the squad. Um, but all that being said, what a classic United comeback! I mean, it seems like Fergie time was back with with the way that the game looked to be gone. I mean, I think there were um, there were a lot of um, people in the stands just going home when it was 2-0 in the 86th minute still, I think it was. And, um, yep. and then out of nowhere, we get, you know, two goals, a penalty and then stoppage time goal from Lindelof. And and next thing you know, we're looking almost like we could get a third um, and feel an even more incredible comeback. But it definitely went from feeling like, you know, uh-oh, we're back in – in some a bit of a crisis mode here with losing two nil to Burnley to almost feeling like a win because of the spirit that that the players showed um to get us back on level terms before the final whistle
0: yeah and i I
2: mean, I think I totally agree with you that there were some flat performances there i I didn't think Lindelof played crazy good either on up. Obviously, yeah. Up until he scored that game game tying goal, but I didn't think. And I mean, you know, it was a,
1: a rebound kind of put away scrappy goal, but right. You know, we needed it.
2: Right. Exactly. So I think I mean Manu's been kind of showing their their colors under Solskjaer, and I I just feel like they're a completely different team, and I'm I'm curious to see how they perform against PSG in their Champions League matchup in a couple weeks. So yeah. that's gonna be something that I'll definitely be paying attention to um in the upcoming in the in their upcoming uh fixtures and their matches and i'm I'm curious to see how he sets up his how he sets up his team during those important fixtures when it really really matters um yeah. and if he's really gonna just put sit Lukaku on the bench and kind of roll yeah with
1: Rashford that's and that's what I really. Guys interested to see because you know Lukaku didn't have a great game either and was subbed off pretty early um in the sixty something minute. Um and you know Rashford missed some some easy chances too. Um so he was also a little off but um it will be really interesting to see between Alexis, Lukaku, Rashford, Martial, even Lingard, um to see who who ends up on the bench during these big matches.
2: Right, exactly. Because they do have a plethora of attacking options. So yeah. I'm and, and this was kind of what Mourinho was dealing with before he was he was kinda of like mixing and matching all these attacking options. Whereas I feel like Solskjaer is a little bit more consistent with his line up lineup decisions. So that's kind of helping players to understand their roles within the team. So I think overall, it's been a benefit.
1: I will say, though, um, it's it's more difficult now in the past couple of weeks and couple of games because there in the first few under Solskjaer, Alexis was still out injured, and um, for a while, Lukaku was out of the squad for personal reasons. So right. it was sort of like not as much of managerial genius and more just sort of working with what he had available for their, for the first few games there. And Mm -hmm. then now it's getting to the tricky area of, okay, now you've got a full squad and, you know, what, you know, traditionally or last year would have been an easy decision with, you know, let's just put Lukaku up top, Alexis on the left, you know, we'll stick Rashford on the right or something. Now it's like not such a straightforward call because of the way that all these players have been playing over the past year and yeah. the past few weeks specifically. Mm-hmm. That's true,
2: and I, I mean I think with that situation, you probably go with the hot hand and you go with um, you go with the guys that are in form, and then slowly try to bring back Lukaku and and yeah. Sanchez and have them uh, have cameos off the bench and see whether or not they're able to contribute to the game in that manner. So, I feel like if he's able to do that and then kind of spell, like, Lingard and, and Martial out wide, I wouldn't be surprised
1: if they're able to continue the success that they're able to have. Yeah. And Lukaku had a great game. Um, I think it was the FA Cup match. Right. Um, with a couple assists and looked really lively. So, you know, like I said, briefly, um it could have just been that the players were getting a little tired and with all these games back to back, um I'm hoping it was just a bit of an off day that they can bounce back and, and get back to you know performance again.
2: Right. And I mean speaking of off days, Tyler, there are a <laughs> bunch of I mean there are a bunch of other teams that really yeah. I mean whatever wild it was, game yeah, week midweek game, madness, game, Right. Game week twenty four just kind of <laughs> I think I think you hit it on the head on the head though with the midweek madness aspect of it. It just seems like this these midweek uh, game weeks really kind of throw a wrench into all these managers' plans in terms of rest and whether or not they should rotate or not, or they should just go with their full squad of of players regardless of if they're um, tired or not from previous. Uh, previous week's games and things like that. Yeah. And they only having two or three days of wet rest. It's
1: yeah. It's and a which tough decision to, to prioritize, you know, because exactly some, some teams are fighting for, you know, an FA cup, but not fighting for anything much in the league or vice versa. You know, there's other things at play too, that they have to start thinking about.
2: Right. Right. So speaking of the, I think the big shock defeat of the week um, in game week twenty four was that Man City loss to Newcastle, and I mean
1: a bit of a toss up maybe between two one Newcastle Man City and Burnmouth four nil against Chelsea. Yeah, I
2: I mean that yeah that Burnmouth game too was like that almost came out of nowhere, yeah. and it's it's not like Bournemouth is having a bad season either. They're yeah. like sol- they're solidly yeah. mid table. Um, but it's just you'd expect something more out of a Chelsea team that's competing for a
1: top-four spot. For sure. Um, 4-0 definitely was not on the cards in a lot of people's predictions beforehand.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you bet that 4-0, I'm <laughs> sure you would have gotten really good odds for that. So whoever did that is probably really rich today. But it's like it, it just almost came out of like – I know Chelsea's been struggling a little bit over the past couple weeks. Like, they just haven't looked the same. They, I mean, they had that 2-0 loss to Arsenal last week in game week 23. It's just – it just hasn't been the same in terms of, like, the, the positivity that they had under Sari early on in the season when they were looking like like title contenders I felt like and they've kind of fallen off over the past I I would say month or so
1: like they had they were gonna yeah challenge for the title too
2: right right they had that tie against Southampton like uh three or four weeks ago so it's not it hasn't been great for them and I think part of it is this this struggle for them to figure out how to utilize Hazard and his talents because they're deploying him up the middle in that kind of like um like false nine position and he's yeah. coming a lot a lot further down into the midfield but uh with the transfer of H- Gonzalo Higuaín into the squad they he ended up starting at center forward in this game. It's, I, I just don't think they were able to have that attacking chemistry together.
1: Um, and they weren't able to figure it out for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it could just come down to the guy just arrived. I mean, I know he played in the FA cup match as well against Sheffield Wednesday, um, but you know, just because he's worked with the manager before um, and he's a world-class Player and goal scorer doesn't necessarily mean that he could just get dropped into this new team and immediately fix all their problems and just go right into his stride. He's, you know, getting a little older. Was he? I think 31 now. Um, and Chelsea have been sort of struggling to get all their pieces um, in the right place. Um, so, I think with this squad right now, with the addition of Higuain, with Hazard going back out to the left wing. I think I'll still give them a few weeks before I say they're in, you know, crisis mode or something like that. But um, definitely looked terrible today. Yeah, so, not great. And,
2: yeah. And, I, and I don't know if it was an injury to Alonzo or whatever it was, but he didn't start at left back today.
1: Which really Yeah, means, he was on the bench. And Right. Um, I don't
2: know what the word was on that, but it just – just seemed like a very curious decision
1: definitely I know Emerson played in either the FA Cup or the League Cup match I forget which one now they've got so many competitions going on um but I think the word was that Emerson when he did play in that cup match was looking really good so I think it was just sort of form that he took the starting spot for then but you know if if you're going to have your first start the four nil no defeat as a you know, wing back. I don't know that he's going to get back in the in the starting lineup anytime soon.
2: Right, and I think a lot of Chelsea fans were kind of outlining how Alonso hasn't looked, I guess, the same or has replicated some of that success that he had as that wing back position last season, and he's struggled a little bit more I think this year with some of the speed um out on the wing and being a little bit more isolated and I think he's been struggling with that a little bit more. And yeah. they're Yeah, and he was I, I just feel like he was struggling a little bit more with that. So it I don't know. It just seems like they're trying to decide whether or not to go with Emerson. I think because of his the way he looked in the FA Cup that's kind of why they lean that way but there i mean i talking with some Chelsea uh fans that i that i know they were talking about how
1: alonzo has been struggling a ton yeah and i think i don't think we can you know leave out the fact that hazard being up in the center means that that changes the dynamic of the game for alonzo as well going up and down the left side um mm-hmm. because that was his you know first pass option to work with, a little one-two. Hazard can cut in. Hazard can go down the line. And Alonzo spends half the game, you know, up in the um, opposition half anyway. Um, and on top of that, I don't think we can be so hard on Alonzo either because the guy has hit the post more than anyone else in the Premier League this season. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think it's just been some honest, you know, bad luck that he's been at the at the receiving end of. So. It'll be interesting to see if, if he gets back in this starting lineup right away or if, if Emerson continues to get a chance. I think Alonso should be reinstated and just let him, you know, go on his free reign attacking um like he, he was at his best. Right. In in I, previous years and recent times.
2: Yeah, I kinda agree with that and we'll see what ends up happening. With that, and I did want to talk about the Newcastle-Man City game
1: because, yeah. I mean,
2: Man City's sitting in second right now. And they, I mean, to lose to Newcastle, and they've really struggled with these bottom-half teams. Um, like, they had that stretch of them losing, um, I think it was, like, during the holiday period where they're losing just left and right to
1: these yeah. teams.
2: Yeah. Some- Unexpected
1: losses, right? And then they
2: kind of like over the past like couple games or so, they were ha- they were like on this hot streak. They hadn't given up any goals. They were on this um, um, clean sheet like record type of thing or hot streak where they weren't giving up any goals. And yeah. to to lose to Newcastle two to one, especially after them scoring a goal in the first minute uh, through Sergio Aguero like, as soon as he scored that goal, I was kind of like, okay, like, we can kind of check off a Manchester City uh, win here and have them be four points behind uh, Liverpool at the least or whatever it is. But they just could not convert any of their chances during that game um, yesterday. And Newcastle really, really impressed me with the way that they're able to take advantage of their opportunities.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just a few weeks ago that City was handing Liverpool the first loss of the season. Right. Um, And it looked like, you know, they were going to make a a, a more immediate run at the title race. Um, But then, you know, against Newcastle, they just looked flat. And once you saw the beginning of that match with Aguero putting, you know the first goal in with I think it was 24 seconds gone or something. Yeah, It 24. just looked like it was going to be one of those days where it was going to be another five, six mil or something to the city. But, you know, St. James Park is not an easy place to go to. I mean, it's a large stadium. The fans are always very up for the games. Like a really exciting atmosphere. If you're a Newcastle fan and on, on that Newcastle team. Um, and I feel like the, that the Newcastle squad was just up for it. And they were, they were, you know, had more energy and they were the better squad in that, in that day.
2: Yeah. And I, I think what I saw from the game and especially with it's, it's been a, it's like a trend now with man, Manchester city in terms of the way they play against these, I don't know, lower level or lower league teams or lower tier teams. Yeah. it's just it just seems like they don't have it against those teams i it's so like indescribable to kind of see the way they play but when they play against the the liverpools the manchester uniteds the, whenever they playing against their fellow top 6 competitors they seem to be the best team in the league one of the best teams in the world but it seems like they're playing to their competition level, um, whatever their competition is. So th- it seems like they're kind of shutting off when they're playing a team like Newcastle, playing a team like South. They're they're not playing up to their abilities.
1: Yeah, I I still am struggling to comprehend how this result actually happened. To be honest, because you look at the lineups and you you see just like you said just world class talent it's you know De Bruyne, David Silva, Fernandinho, Sterling, Sane, and Aguero up there and and yet this Newcastle defense held held strong and kept them out after the first minute um and so yeah it 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 almost has to be down to mental or or um just general fatigue on on the part of city because um you know Pep did bring in some some attacking subs with Bernardo Silva, you know, Jay Zeus, um, and then Newcastle just put that first goal away and then got the penalty and and held on. So, and that was just it was a, a really strange one. <laughs> that was like a
2: terrible giveaway by Fernandinho in
1: the box. Yeah. The way
2: it just the way he didn't seem like he was aware of where where he was on the pitch.
1: Like, yeah, and he's he, normally he, like their rock on the field. Like, right. Like he, You would not he, expect that from him.
2: Right. He's just very simple with the ball. He doesn't make many mistakes at all. But the move that he made at, in that part of the field with the ball, it just was so mind-blowing to me that he didn't feel the pressure that was behind him when making that turn. And I had no idea what he was really doing. Yeah. Um. especially with the amount of pressure that was around him. So it that was very confusing. And, I mean, he pretty much costed them
1: the game uh, with that decision. Yeah. And there was also that one um, quick free kick that uh, De Bruyne tried to take that ended up, you know, turning into a goal that was disallowed. And right. I just have to feel like if that would have gone in, we would have seen a completely different result because it goes back to, you know, the momentum after that first goal goes in. It just, you almost sort of feel like, you know, oh, you've seen this you a know, hundred times before. Um, but it's just tiny little decisions and matches um, can, can have huge impacts on the result. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I, I do want to move on to uh, Spurs versus Watford this week the, another great game. Watford was leading one zip until like the 80th minute and then Spurs were able to put two goals in in the last 10 minutes. Uh, Son min who came back from the Asian games because, you know, I'll do my quick 30-second rant on the South Korean national team <laughs> where um, they ended up losing in the quarterfinals and to Cotter. And that's not a team that they should be losing to. This this is a This, is, this should be... tournament that they should be going to the finals every single time and versus Japan and it's just embarrassing for them to have lost the way that they did and it it, it was just very frustrating to watch I ended up like watching it at 8 a.m and it was just like why am I up for this and it's very annoying to be able to have to do like to watch a performance like that and they just look tired they didn't look like they were in it at all um son just looks like a comp- he looks like a completely different player when playing for the national team in comparison to uh the way he plays with spurs it just seems like maybe the talent the level that's around surrounding him at spurs really helps spur him on um not to be super punny about that but just like really? right just be he's just able to play a lot better the runs that he's willing to make um in a spurs jersey is like no comparison to what he is able to do or yeah he, he it just doesn't even compare uh the you think it's, that um, has
1: compared to mental? what he does with korea you I think, think it's some, mental at I all think, with he maybe some puts of it is. too much pressure on himself or tries to put the team on his back. Uh, I think with it his is national team.
2: Yeah, I think it is. He tries to do a little bit too much and then he ends up feeling overwhelmed to the point where he's like, Okay, maybe I shouldn't run for that ball or I shouldn't run yeah. and do this thing because he knows he's gonna have to do so much more work and then. I just think he yeah. needs to be a little bit more playing into his role um, when he's with Korea. And I don't know, it was just a very frustrating loss. It was uh, Bento, who's the manager, Portuguese manager for Korea's first loss. And I mean, he, like all these Korean fans were super happy with the way he had brought this team up um, up until that point. And then he's able, he kind of had a dud in that game and it's, to 1-0 loss and then you just don't really know where you're going with this team and the manager now. Um, and we'll see what ends up happening. I think I think there's been this period of time where Son is kind of just maybe a little overworked from all his international duties and then playing in England. He's been playing a ton of ton of games and minutes. So, it's been a huge struggle for him uh, to be able to, I think, just concentrate on one endeavor at a time, because with all the military stuff, there's just been like a ton of up and downs over the past, I would say, six months to a year, where World Cup was just like a huge disappointment. Then the Asian Games, he's able to get military uh, exemption, and then... Come back at Spurs. He's having this hot streak at Spurs. Then, as he's doing super well at Spurs, he has to go go play at the Asian Cup. They don't have a great time, and then he's up and scoring against Watford to uh, right
1: straight back in the lineup
2: right, which is like insane to me. But it's out of necessity for Tottenham right now because of Deli Ali just ended up hurting his hamstring. Um, Harry Kane is like ruled out till, like, March, I believe. So yeah. he's really needed in, in terms of being this attacking option. I mean, they're relying on Fernando Lorente as their, as their sole uh, center forward. Um, yeah, they
1: were not looking the, good at yeah. all going forward the past two or three, four games.
2: Yeah, so maybe Spurs ended up paying some of the refs or something like that at the Asian <laughs> Cup so that they could bring Son back. But... Um, yeah, they, I, I was really impressed that they were able to come back against a team like Watford, who's been like seventh, eighth in the league right now, um, like the tier right below the top six. And right. Watford's had a really good season. And for Spurs to be able to come back and be able to win or to win that game and being down a goal, I was pretty impressed, especially with the team that they have right now.
1: Yeah. And how about Lorente getting a goal and an assist? I mean, exactly he has been struggling to to find the net and contribute at, at Spurs. Um, so honestly, it's good to see him uh, having some some success.
2: <laughs> right. I mean, because there are rumors go flying around that he's going to be transferred and, yeah. and all this stuff because of the lack of product uh, productivity that he's had with Spurs, and then he's comes out and has this game and maybe they keep him because of what he's what he provides and harry Kane being out for a couple i think it's about a month and a half or so uh he's not coming back till march so um yeah. that's going to be a huge hold to fill for them and i i don't know if they're going to especially have enough um depth wise to be able to continue
1: to compete for that for the uh, for the title in the Premier League. Yeah, because they really only have Llorente as a backup, like, target man, true striker. Everyone else is just more of, like, a converted winger in terms of, like, Lamella, Lucas, Son. Like, you know, Yorinte is pretty much the only one um, that can try to fill the role of Harry Kane, and obviously that hasn't been happening. <laughs> right,
2: and I think with Son back, I think you I wouldn't be... Su- if Pochettino kind of sets it up as a 4-2-3-1 and has yeah. Son being that lone striker up top because he's fil- fulfilled that position before uh, yeah. because of Lorente's struggles and if Harry Kane needed uh, rest. So he's filled that position before and he knows how to play it and then they'll probably put more Lucas Moura and uh, Lamella out on the wing. So I wouldn't be surprised about that. Yeah. So, Tyler, we haven't talked about the best team in the league so far. Um, (laughs) For now. (laughs) For now, exactly. Like, I got to preface it with that because I don't want to jinx Liverpool's chances to win the league this year in in the Premier League. But they had a tough game today against Leicester, 1-1 draw today. And I – I don't even, I don't exactly know how to feel about this game. I was in class, so I wasn't able to watch um, the first half um, at all. And that's where all the goals ended up coming from. But I, I was able to catch the second half. And what I did notice about the way Liverpool played was I was pretty impressed with the amount of chances that they were able to create, but it was just, extremely frustrating that they weren't able to convert any of those chances. Um, They're dominating possession. Like they're moving the ball pretty well, but my whole thing, and I've been kind of, I've been kind of on this, um, I guess, point of, I don't understand why Jurgen Klopp let Nathaniel Klein leave for Bournemouth. And yeah, especially with the depth troubles that they're having um at right back. I mean, today they had Jordan Henderson starting at right back.
1: So that's a concern if you're if that yeah, you relying I, I on called that right out guy. as soon as I heard that news. I'm like, why are they doing that right now? I mean, you're competing on so many different fronts um trying to, you know, go far in the Champions League and win the, the Premier mm-hmm. League. Um, why not keep the depth? It just seemed like they were setting themselves up for failure there. Um and and you know, it's you're gonna have you're gonna have days like this against, you know, a tough, scrappy Leicester City and and it just like you said, putting Henderson at right back, that does not inspire confidence in in the long term, you know, success over multiple competitions for the squad.
2: Exactly. So that's I mean that's going to be the one thing that I'm a little bit worried about is that against all these teams they're going to be really pumped up for each game because they're they're telling themselves, "Hey, we're playing the league leaders right now. This is our this is our chance to be able to knock them off their perch um and kind of show what they have." And I'm a little bit worried because Schedule-wise schedule, schedule wise coming in, Liverpool doesn't have exactly a tough schedule, I would say. They, all their games are pretty spaced out, nothing too bad for them, in the league at least. But what I'm worried about is their reversion back into the Liverpool team that really struggled with these mid-tier teams where... There are games that they should win but they end up either drawing or having just having defensive lapses and then giving up
1: goals to lead to losses. Yeah. I I also wanted to get your opinion on the the subs that happened uh in the second half as you guys were tied and you know the difference between one and three points from this match could be Pretty significant going on. You know, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season, but there's still a lot of games left. Um, and that being said, you know, Klopp decides to take off Shakiri and Keda for Lalana and Fabinho to come on. I thought that was kind of interesting because it just seems like instead of maybe putting Sturridge on earlier or even Arigi, um, it seemed like he was kind of just trying to lock down maybe the midfield some more instead of trying to Generate more going forward. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I I think the lineup decisions to start the game were a little bit suspect in that. Yeah, I think I has been struggling um, with Liverpool, and he hasn't been that dynamic midfielder that I thought he would be. And I was just a little bit worried about the way he played in the game. And then also, I I just don't think he's really found his footing um, on this Liverpool team yet. I I personally would have had Fabinho start at right back today and then maybe had Jordan Henderson take K spot or have – or kind of had Shakiri in that spot as well, and then maybe brought on, like, and then had Henderson move into the center midfield position. Like, I I just, Keita's been struggling a ton, and I don't really understand. I know the right-back position's kind of compromising the team in making some of these lineup decisions, but the thought behind me having Fabinho play at right-back is he's, He played it with Monaco in club, um, like, before he transferred over to Liverpool. And so he ended up playing at right back for Monaco. Then he played center mid for Monaco. And then that's when he transferred over to Liverpool. So he's had experience at that right back position in a high-level league. So I don't understand why they didn't start him there. He's played at that position for the Brazilian national team. So it's not like that position's unfamiliar to him at all. So uh, it was just a curious dis- decision by Klopp to play Henderson at right back because I can't can't remember the last time that ever happened. Um, yeah,
1: like I and don't think were, that's
2: ever happened at all.
1: Yeah, they were putting a pinch with um, you know, Milner was out from suspension, right? Right. Exactly. So that was another thing. And their uh, right back issues. Right. Yeah, Don't do you feel that those subs were a little negative instead of positive though, was what I was sort of writing at with, with that, how that played out.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I would have liked it to be a little bit more positive and maybe bring on Sturridge like 10 minutes or 10, 15 minutes earlier and maybe throw on a Reggie as well. Um, okay. But it's, I don't think Liverpool's attacking options are really a problem. Like they should have been able to create enough chances with the group that they had on the field um, to start the game and may, like maybe Klopp should have brought in a Rigi and changed that up instead of bringing in uh, Fabinho instead, or should have maybe brought in Sturridge 10 minutes earlier. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily the problem. I just feel like they weren't able to convert when they probably should have. And, I mean, I think a lot of Liverpool fans are kind of complaining about the two non-missed penalty calls um, that people were really kind of griping about. It's really tough to kind of make those, kind of base base your, I guess, result on missed calls and you know granted that there are missed calls that do happen but what are you going to do the rest the rest is always going to be blowing the whistle it's not like they're going to retroactively change the change those calls at all so there's no no point in complaining
1: about some of those decisions now that it's over right yeah i mean it still doesn't change the fact that i was just pulling up the match stats that you guys had over 70% possession but you only had three shots on target so yeah, it's yep. just that final product wasn't there today.
2: Yeah and I think they try to be too cute when they do have their opportunities when the box they don't pull the trigger quick enough in terms of being able to shoot the ball when they have a chance maybe they'll try to make too fine of a pass or too perfect of a pass to set up set up with a teammate, uh, with yeah. the box when they probably could just take a chance on that, maybe have a deflection, go, uh, go past the keeper or maybe the keeper makes a save. And then that, that rebound is in front of goals so that you can kind of get a scrappy goal like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, then now we've got a really exciting, you know, table set up and, and race for the title. Um, with with you guys drawing City losing, it's a five point gap, and then there's Tottenham only two points behind City. Yeah, um
2: sitting at. So seven hopefully, seven, we'll one have one. Uh,
1: some some exciting uh, movement between those those top three. At least it does seem that fourth through sixth is a little bit out of that that top, top tier. three, you know, section. Right. But. But you know, even down to Spurs and third, I think there there could be a lot of of exciting games coming up if Spurs can get firing again, um, like we were saying, you know, working around these injuries that they've got as well.
2: Right, and I think the next three games um, are going to determine whether or not Man City is going to stay within stay within uh, touch with Liverpool because their next 3 games and they're playing these 3 games in a week within one week. They're playing they're playing um Man City Man City's playing Arsenal on Sunday this Sunday. Then yep. they're playing Everton on Wednesday and then the following Sunday they're playing Chelsea. So February so within one week they're playing 3 games and 3 games against Pretty tough competition: Arsenal, Everton, yeah, Chelsea.
1: definitely. So,
2: if let's say they end up losing two of those games, or end up winning, winning one, drawing one, and losing one, I mean that can really be catastrophic for their
1: some for their
2: title hopes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be huge, especially after this loss to Newcastle. Um, to see how they bounce back and, and to see what kind of lineups Pep goes with because you know he does have so many options that it's it's almost up to him to, to you know try to uh try to pick from them and as you see it, it doesn't always work out. So Mhm. That yeah, and yeah. I I
2: think that's where I, that's what I'm curious about. How he mixes and matches. What what considerations he's going to have in terms of squad rotation of the lineup that for the next three matches or so. What that's going to be like. So I'm very curious about what he does in these next three games um, within this week or so. So I'm uh, those are three games that I'll definitely be tuning into. So Tyler, before we close out the podcast. I did want to talk about some world football news, um things things that are going on um in the world of soccer um uh, throughout all over the world. So, the one there's one story I did want to bring up in terms of the US Men's National Team. Greg Berhalter was able to get his first win as the US Men's National Team manager uh his first win against Panama three zero against pretty bad competition
1: granted it wasn't like
2: top level hey you can't
1: you can't take any of that for granted based on the results over the past few years
2: that is definitely true, and I mean it's something it's not like he had his best players either um, right. i I really like the way he played. Like I think it uh I think it soothed a lot of worries that I had as for him as the manager and if he's able to put consistent performances like that um going forward then I'll I will i will be pretty happy with the way the US team um it functions and works under his uh direction.
1: Yeah, I mean hopefully there's only one way to go from the past few years, and that's up. Um, you would think, after you know the struggle that it's been, to just you know watch these results and, and get behind this team. But yeah, I'm excited. Um, I think it was five debuts that he had in the starting eleven. Um, right. And like you said, obviously it's not the full squad because you know there wasn't a full international break um, for the for the guys in Europe and all that. But you know the the ones who were there playing they looked pretty good and um I I think that, you know, you you say it's just Panama but you know, we lost some bad matches to some not great competition um in the in that failed qualification campaign. So uh I'll take what we can get on um on the national stage. Yeah, I'm excited to see once he's got a full squad to choose from, who's still in that lineup, what guys he he gives a chance to, some of the younger guys who are being, um, you know, being looked at, getting a chance in different teams over in the Bundesliga and stuff like that. So yeah, it's exciting times for sure.
2: Yeah, I I think it's really exciting to see what he's able to do with the full squad and which one of these. Uh, players, because there's going to be a couple of these players from this January camp that end up kind of making their mark and moving up, being moved over to uh, the full full squad. And which one, which of those players kind of makes their mark, and which of those players he decides to bring on, and how those guys are integrated within the group of like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney
1: um, all the European base players. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, Tyler Adams making a name for himself over there as well. Right. So that's,
2: that's what I'm
1: definitely excited about. And other news
2: in us men's national team, Tim Howard announcing that he's going to be retiring after this MLS season. That's um, true. Former Manchester United guy. Um,
1: yeah,
2: didn't he have says the, his
1: heart's still in Everton, though. So I don't yeah, know. <laughs> right.
2: Didn't have the
1: best. I mean,
2: didn't have the best career at Manchester United.
1: Um, yeah, was definitely
2: more prominent at Everton, but it's just a long illustrious career that he ended yeah, up having. Probably uh, end of an era. Probably the one of the most successful goalkeepers that the U.S. men's net. Probably the most successful uh, U.S. men's national team goalie uh, that has ever been produced, uh, with the the teams that he played for and the pedigrees that um, those teams
1: have. Yeah, yeah, and, it's not surprising though. You know, he's getting up there and back in MLS, so you know, I wasn't surprised to hear that. I think it's about that time.
2: Yeah, definitely wasn't surprised. I mean, we'll always remember uh, all those memes um, in the twenty yeah. uh, fourteen World Cup with Captain him, America, Captain America, him and Belgium, him just making all those saves, uh, ridiculous saves against that Belgium team that was just like crazy. The amount of saves that he made just to keep the U.S. in in that game. So, I'll always fondly remember that as I remember watching that at a bar in New York City, so that was crazy uh, to watch. So, oh, yeah. there was one other piece of news that's kind of on the sadder side. Um, Emiliano Sala, who got signed by Cardiff City to a record transfer deal uh, from Nantes, um, from the French League His airplane ended up going missing and then search was called off. And then there's a crowdfunding, crowdfunding, I guess, what's it called? Project crowdfunding. Yeah. Crowdfunding project that ended up uh, restarting the search again. And then recently, I think it was today, actually it was reported that there were seat cushions that washed ashore on the French coast. So it's pretty sad that it's kind of come to this and um, that he hasn't been found yet. But it's just pretty sad that all this stuff is happening. The uh, the owner for Leicester City, a couple, I think it was a month or two ago, where he ended up yeah. passing away in that helicopter accident. So it's just been a pretty sad... Couple months in terms of prominent um people within the football world getting um i don't know losing their lives in in the manner that they have,
1: yeah, it's just heartbreaking, you know so much promise the club record signing and you know the story behind it of just he wanted to you know spend some more time with his old friends at his former club before he left, and yeah, you know, it's just you hate to see something like that just. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking.
2: It really is. So like our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and all those that are affected um, regarding that situation, because it, it still is like a super sensitive topic uh, on that front. So Tyler, before we close out there, there's some transfer news that is going through a lot of transfer rumors and all that stuff. Is there anything on the Manchester United front that has been kind of piqued your interest or anything that might've caught your eye in terms of any substantiated rumors uh, for Manchester United and who they might be in on?
1: Uh, Well, word on the street was uh, at the beginning of the, January transfer window that we were still going to be looking to get in a center back. Um, I don't think that's going to happen considering uh, deadline day is tomorrow. And there haven't been many solid uh, pieces of news regarding that. Um, and I think that's fine for now. I do still think in January and sorry, in the summer we should be looking for some, you know, young promising center back to strengthen our depth there. Um but I think for the rest of the season, Alcaraz seems to be again getting the best out of the players again, so I think Lindelof, Jones, by Smalling are going to be able to hold it down um for the rest of the season. But I did hear that it sounds like there is a chance that big fella himself, Marwan Fellaini, might be on the move to China. Um That is still a rumor at this point, but um, that's the only other somewhat solid piece of of news I've heard. And, you know, I've got, I've also got mixed feelings about that because although he is now sort of like one of those players who's now just associated maybe with the Jose era or, or something like that, so to speak, being, you know, first signing since Fergie left, he's got a bad rap for various reasons only some of which, you know, deserved some of which not his fault. But you know, it doesn't change the fact that he has over the years come up big for us in a number of matches and it's just sort of the way that, that he was used sometimes that that led to his negative um, you know, connotation with the fans. But wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world if if he left at this point, but I do still think he has he has value. He's definitely a squad player with his aerial threat and his, you know, scrappiness and all that that he can add to the squad. But nothing really on the radar other than that, which is which is fine with me, honestly. I just want to focus on, on the players we do have because we have so much talent right now and get to the end of the season and keep stringing these good results together.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem like this transfer window for most teams or all teams has been a, I guess, super productive window or a, a window where there's a lot of action that's happened. And that could kind of all change tomorrow. Uh, we have no True. idea what up yeah. happening. We're recording this the day before the transfer window is supposed to close. So apologies if basically <laughs> it's like the craziest transfer window ever tomorrow. Um, but as of now, not much has happened earlier on in the transfer window, Christian Poole is sick. Uh, got transferred over to Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's the highlight of the transfer window, really. That probably is like the biggest uh, biggest money move um, of the transfer window so far. So, other than that. I hate that, to see him going to much.
1: Chelsea. But I know.
2: I'm glad for us, that he's in the Premier
1: League, at least.
2: Yeah, I know. For us both. It's like I really I thought he was coming to Liverpool just because of the Klopp connection and maybe him because Klopp gave him his first chance at Dortmund and all of this stuff. And then he goes to probably the team that I might just like, just what, for what Chelsea stands for in terms of like <laughs> their money and all that stuff. Uh, I just couldn't stand the move, but I mean, and you know,
1: he is a lifelong Man United fan. So maybe I that's know. Like, he couldn't go to Liverpool.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that was, I think a frustration, but it's not like, I mean, that can't feel great for you as a Man U fan knowing that he went to Chelsea.
1: Yeah. I I don't have a very favorable opinion of Chelsea either. So that one hurts a little bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's not much that's really happening. Dennis Suarez um, is going to Arsenal. Um, That's like, uh that's one of the bigger transfers I would say and that would give kind of kind of Arsenal depth on the wing. Um Arsenal's looking at Yannick Carrasco who's on the Belgian national team. He ended up playing for a couple of teams in Spain, so he that's another guy, but it's not there's not these like mega stars that are getting transferred left and right at all. So um it's been pretty quiet so far and
1: I don't know. It Sounds They're, like um Morata back to a, Atletico, back to Spain. That get confirmed in in light of Higuaín coming in.
2: I don't know if that's completely confirmed yet. I think it might it might be. I think it, it makes
1: sense at least.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it it's possible that he is going
1: to um
2: Atletico. Um I don't know, it just he he was having his like ups and downs at Chelsea and he just never could establish
1: himself there. Yeah. Never really got going. Yeah. So I think that must it's be fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm not, I'm not sad about it at all either. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we'll see what ends up happening for the rest of the transfer deadline day. Um, If there's any crazy, crazy news, we'll probably cover <laughs> it in the next podcast.
1: Um, I have to add a, an addendum to this. Do a, a deadline day special.
2: <laughs> exactly. I might just add it uh at the beginning of the podcast um <laughs> when I do the intro. So, we'll see what ends up happening for the rest of uh transfer for the transfer window. Um and Tyler, I just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast to talk about all this uh excitement for Manchester United fans and um I'm I'm sitting pretty as a Liverpool fan, sitting at the top of the table
1: um, for now. <laughs> for now,
2: for now, for now, for now. But I'm I'm I'll be watching intently for the next week or so, seeing what happens to Manchester City and the position that they end up having, or if they're able to sustain it and win all the games uh, this week. But they have tough competition, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, always good to talk soccer with you, Tyler, and, uh, thanks for coming on again.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Sorry for the, uh, you know, radio silence, but it's good to be back. Um, He's alive, yeah, we'll, guys. <laughs> we'll see how this, uh, these next few weeks play out. And we got, um, United Liverpool on the horizon, by the way. So yeah, that'll yeah, be, might, that'll be a big one too. We
2: might have to do a three man pod for that and get Hedrion and you both on so we can kind of
1: do uh yeah I can't, I can't wait like to that. talk to Hedjun about about uh Solskjaer's success <laughs> i know um
2: i wonder what he's gonna say about that
1: so we know
2: hedging might dodge dodge and dodge again so we'll see what ends up happening uh thanks again tyler for coming on and can't wait to have you on next time
0: message and I hope it makes you smile don't worry about me baby cause I swear that I'll be fine I got a girl with a mind on love the kind of love that is dangerous it knocks me down but I get back up and now I'm addicted I can't get enough.